everyone, my name is Jack and I am with The Guardian Project. The following podcast is one queer group's perspective on the pros and cons of inclusivity at D-WebCamp 2022. D-WebCamp is a five-day retreat for hackers, builders, and dreamers to gather in nature and tackle the real-world problems facing the web and to co-create the decentralized technologies of the future. It was described by one of the founders as the Chaos Communication Congress meets Burning Man. The idea is to come together to collectively to exchange ideas and to make connections. You do not have to be a tech person to go to D-WebCamp, but just someone who cares. So, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Jack. I use they them pronouns, and I wanted to organize uh, this event um, because uh, a bunch of us realized that there was a great queer community at D Webcamp, and it was sort of a really magical moment to realize that there was like a safe space at D Webcamp for. Uh, for, for the queer community. Um, so like I said, my name's Jack, I use them pronouns, I'm with The Guardian Project, and I guess we could just go around doing introductions really fast. Hello, I'm Christine. I am the CTO at the Sprightly Institute. Um, I work on decentralized networking technology, which I guess in this context, I don't need to say, because <laughs> everybody here does in some capacity. Um, uh, I guess I'm known for having worked on federation protocols, including ActivityPub, but now I work on some uh, we do new stuff at the Sprightly Institute in terms of kind of next generation secure tech stuff. So that's my background. Um, and yeah, I came to the web camp. It was great. Got to hang out with all of you. And I'll shut up. Hi, guys. I'm Shipali. I use she and her pronouns. And um, I work in a tech policy fellowship right now. But like apart from that, I do a couple of other things. And uh, we have a community network, which is set up in Singapore. And I'm kind of like just help around sometimes there. Hi everyone, I'm, I'm Dimitri. I use he, him pronouns. Um, I do software engineering and open standards wrangling. And I'm an aspiring confrontational performance artist. Um, that's it. Hello everybody. Um, my name is Mai Ishikawa Sutton. Um, my pronouns are they, them. And I'm an organizer, now senior organizer with uh, DWeb Projects with the Internet Archive. And I'm also um, one of the lead editors of Compost Magazine and a project manager for Distributed Press and work across various projects around uh, decentralization. Hi, I am Morgan Weber-Weber. I currently work at Digital Bazaar doing things like grant writing and writing uh, product feeds, uh, basically anything that faces the public as opposed to code. Um, so that's mostly working on decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials materials. Um, and yeah, I also co-host a podcast with my wife, Christine, about floss and crafts. Hi, uh, I'm Gabriel. I'm a web developer. Uh, I came to DWebCamp and I recognize many of you. I think I met most of you. Um, and yeah, it's just nice to be here um, and I'm just kind of recently getting into distributed programming and learning all about that. So um, it was really nice to have a community of people at DWebCamp that was like really kind and inviting. And it was a really great time looking forward to next year. 
Um, yeah, hi, I'm S.A. she, her pronouns. I am an organizer with the DWEB project at Internet Archive, but also um, a campaign and policy manager with Fight for the Future. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so first I, um, uh, thank you everyone for introducing yourselves. Um, it was great to meet you all. And, um, so I just kind of wanted to start off by talking about like, you know, uh, I, uh, I had, uh, so in my own personal experience, I working in tech, it was really hard to be sort of like a, not a guy and then be queer and then see person of color. Um, and, um, and so I felt like, for myself, D-Web Camp was something I was actually a little bit nervous about, um, thinking it was going to be just a bunch of white cisgendered uh, heterosexual tech bros. And it was actually like really like amazing to kind of like, you know, uh, realize that that wasn't the case at D-Web Camp. Um, and, and I think especially for me, like um, I, you know, I obviously wear like some kind of different kinds of makeup and it was so great to like be able to like you know that was kind of how me and Shafali kind of started talking was like we were talking about makeup and we were talking about drag shows um, and they were talking about queer scenes in different places um, and so I think for me it was like to feel that welcoming um, and was just really amazing and I, I so I thought it would be kind of interesting is for you know if people want to speak about like you know sort of like what they were expecting from D-Web Camp and then like when that shift happened. And I know for me that shift really happened with like Christine and Shafali was like, they were like, they were like the, the gateways of like, oh, there's like, this is great. Like this is, I feel so comfortable, I feel so at home. Um, and so I just was curious about other people's experiences with that. Actually, it's kind of funny because uh, I was, um, I do very distinctly remember the moment that Jack and I first spoke actually, cause Jack had just spoken and just gave their presentation. And it was one of those times where like um, the person on stage seemed so cool. I was like almost like kind of like jealously suspicious of them. Uh, like, and so uh, <laughs> I, so like I, I went up, but I was like, you know, like that's ridiculous. Like the, you know, just like, you know um, the, like I, I should, I should actually just go up and, and introduce myself instead of the, uh, to them, instead of just feeling like jealous of how cool they seemed. And so like, I, I, I went up to Jack and said, you know, like uh, your, your presentation was amazing, which it was like, Jack was incredibly enthusiastic on stage. It was like, it, it felt really infectious. Right. And so, and I, and I, and, and, you know, I, I was just amazed by their entire presence, right? Like their, the way that they, the code that they talked about, like how excited they were to nerd out about math on stage. Like it's always great to see that somebody do that and, and their entire visual vibe and, and everything. And, you know, but when I walked up to do that, like I was actually a little bit afraid to do that. Cause I was like a little bit like, you know, going up and saying such a thing to another person, human being, like, you know, like maybe they would just, you know, be, you know, dismissive and just be like, oh, okay, cool, you know, whatever. But instead it was the opposite, right? Then we had this wonderful, really great conversation. Jack and I, I think, really connected. And that happened with a bunch of other people. Um, so this was my second time being at a conference since I've been openly out as trans transfeminine, right? Um, and um, and it was really great. You know, I, I connected with a whole bunch of people, you know, who are in this room and in general. Um, I was also nervous you know, about how I was going to be received. I think also the word D-Web, when I had heard of D-Web camp previously, I think I kind of associated it with like, kind of like hyper FinTech blockchain-y type stuff, which I think there was some of that there, but not to the degree that I was expecting. And um, not that 
you know, being involved in that is necessarily a problem. But like, you know, I, I do have vibes from previous experiences in terms of not necessarily being very queer friendly. Um, and, and that was very opposite, right? You know, at least part of, the, I think, the advantage of being at D-Web Camp is that since you could go off and kind of walk with and talk to anybody, it was really possible to kind of meet your cohort. That just makes me really happy to hear. <laughs> I mean, I think as an organizer, that was really my personal goal um, was, you know, for everybody who is working on these different aspects of whatever decentralization means, um, to feel comfortable and to feel safe um, to share themselves and and be present and, and not feel like um, on defense. Like I came from a digital policy background. I used to be at EFF and would go to a lot of hacker conferences and hacker spaces where, you know, I just like was always, I just felt like I was like on defense, right? Like I had my guard up and like, I, I like had to kind of like have the steely surface um, put on my bitch face, you know, and then like, you know, and not really like feel like I could really open up to people because then like, there are so many instances where, um, yeah, I just felt unsafe and, you know, things happened. And um, I, uh, you know, as an organizer now of DWeb of events since 2019, um, I really wanted to have an event and have build a community that was not that. Um, when I went to the first DWeb uh, summit in 2016, it was like, 90 maybe like 98 percent you know cis white hetero seeming male like just very male energy right with like startup pitches and all that and i was like hey you know like if we're actually building alternative infrastructure um that is meant for everybody and that like everyone can feel safe and that we are building something that is actually something different then it has to be queer it has to be you know um full of poc it has to um uh recognize and and have everybody there right and and I think um yeah I think I want to unpack a little bit like maybe through this conversation like I wonder you know what it was like through our organizing that that made that possible and I've been thinking about that a lot I was gonna ask that that very question of like my how did you make it happen um, <laughs> yeah definitely that's that's a good question <laughs> Honestly, I think the uh, the conversations that we've been having since 2019, when we organized the last camp, um, have really shaped that. Uh, you know, maybe part of it too is that we've been explicitly like, this is not a blockchain pro pro uh, conference and like series. Um, I, I think not being solutionist about things like from a tech policy perspective, but being more like um, based on like what are our actual human community needs, you know, like what are, you know, how do we um, not just assume that we have all the solutions? I think like the kind of like creativity and sort of like uh, ways that we are, we're thinking about technology maybe in, in our event series, like is inviting to that. Like, and, and also I think like um, the internet archive is also very, you know, like I feel safe as a queer person um, at the Internet Archive um, in a lot of senses. Um, and I think uh, as a as like the stewarding organization, I feel like that really helps sort of like nestle this small this event like in um, in that safety. Yeah. I have more to say, but I want other I want to hear from others. <laughs> About yeah, I know uh, Shafali and Dimitri. Um, Shafali, yeah. yeah, yeah. I want to hear. Okay, so 
like this was the first time i had been out of country like india and i came directly to california i was quite scared at first like who are the people that i'm going to meet even though i like no knew my like from compost and uh, so it was just like a very surreal experience to like look at people in person first but like later on like when we even went on the bus it just felt like such a good energy like when like the first time i met dana she just came and like hugged me and that was the most <laughs> welcoming hug to like open up and then i had the all of these conversations like me and jack literally like one night we were walking around and i'm like oh you've got like amazing makeup and like would you like to do it for me yeah. and she's like <laughs> she's like yes let's do it and like next day we actually did it and it was so much like like it, it didn't feel like there was this boundary that i couldn't like ask people or like talk to people about something and one of the like very important conversations that i think that stand out is for me when i had this conversation with luisa about uh polyamity and like uh, we were just talking about if we really want to like decentralize everything then we should also look at our like lives and like how can we decentralize love and that is such a like it just opened me up to like all the possibilities and like and then like that just opened like doors for me to like talk to people and uh, i just felt like really comfortable and so then um uh, like i think um uh, like uh, i felt like super like at home with uh, people from um south america like the community network people who had come and since also because we were there from like before the dweb camp uh, camp started uh during the build period so i think like that sort of just you know like that just made it uh very easy for me to even when like a lot of people came on like you still had like a group of person that you could go to and like uh be yourself in that sense yeah it was just uh, very comfortable and like very open to have these conversation like even with ogos and uh, elian and they were just talking about how they were from argentina and then how they came to uh dweb and they were talking about castro and like uh how they were roaming around and what they were shopping and what they were looking and it was such a open conversation to have like we were like yeah let's make a collective and this is what we want to do and so yeah it was and like dweb camp the best thing about it was like you didn't have to like go to talks or anything to like absorb things like for me i literally just met people and like i knew a lot about them and like had all of these conversations so it gave me a lot of stuff to process like after i came back and i think i'm still in that process to do that and this podcast is helping me so
so yeah oh that is so good to hear yeah that's something I was kind of hoping that this podcast would do would be like a place for people to to process and to kind of like absorb and and connect and reconnect and um yeah but yeah and um yeah so thank you so much for sharing Shafali yeah it was so great to do your makeup by the way it was it was amazing you look so great (laughs) you always look great um but um uh uh Dimitri did you want to share your experiences (laughs) Um, so I'm I'm listening to this and I'm I'm so fascinated by with with my work hat on I'm always interested in how very subtle changes in UI and affordances really really change user behavior and and really like change the whole vibe of you know like uh, an app or or a service or whatever and so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm like if an if a conference wants to attract more queer people, more you know, non um, non stereotypical engineer. W- like, what are the things they can do? And, and some some of the things that you mentioned uh, is just the signaling beforehand that okay, this is not solely blockchain oriented. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm super interested in what, what sort of signals uh, conferences can do, and also I'm interested in how much the organizers and the social connectors uh personal recruiting helps seed uh the conference attendance now so i, I am i am sort of um uh di- diverting from uh your question of uh, what my experience uh, there was uh, <laughs> uh par- partly because i'm i'm slightly embarrassed too in the sense of I, I love conferences i feel at home at pretty much all of them right just like I, i've uh, been doing conferences for like a million years now from uh, web comics to a lot of literary uh, fandom conferences, of course, technology, uh, and and this uh, D webcam, which is sort of like uh, which was very interesting in hybrid. And so, like, whenever whenever I walk into a conference, it's just like ah, I'm home, right? So I'm an old white engineer dude. Uh, like, I have the privilege. It's easy for me to feel feel safe in any space. Yeah, Wiscon is fantastic. Yes. Okay, we wait, that that came up in the chat. Uh, yeah, I mentioned yeah, something, yeah, and it, yeah. and it's so the listeners are not going to be familiar with that. I mentioned we should maybe all go to Wiscon, which is a uh, feminist slash queer um, sci-fi and fantasy convention. Uh, um, uh, I I so I think there is something relevant to bringing that up. That is an explicitly you know queer and feminist event, right? Um, and that they they it's another organization that I think puts a lot of thought ahead of time, right? Especially because that's their 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 you know their modus operandi right for that specific event but this here sorry uh here at this event that's not necessarily you know like it looks from the outset like that's not specifically the goal but you're making it a goal right i think that's part of what um what all of us who are speaking to maya as one of the organizers right you know we we appreciate about this um but i will stop rambling because there's two other people who have not had a chance to speak yet yes yes definitely also a top-down um, effect to that too, that both the organizers at WizCon and at DWebCamp, there was some diversity in the organizers and it wasn't just, you know, the typical conference organizers for a tech conference that were primarily cishet white dudes saying they cared about diversity. There was actual diversity in the planning team, um, which I think makes it less performative diversity and more actually creating a community. And and Morgan, I would love to hear about, you know, your experiences of like, you know, what you were anticipating, how you felt like, you know, 
finding your comfort in the dwebcamp scene and also you know i at some point we want to talk about like what was still discomfort um but yeah morgan so i'd love love to hear from you i'm gonna actually combine those two things i had very few expectations coming in because this isn't really something that i've talked about much but i spent most of the summer pretty significantly ill and one day christine came downstairs and was like do you want to go to this conference it's at a campground it's about decentralized web and they're selling out of tickets fast so i need an answer now and i'm like um okay and it wasn't until like two days later that i realized oh wait this is actually relevant to my job so maybe i should talk to my boss about this but um so i had very little like thought process going into saying i would come to the conference um but this is that said this is also the first tech conference i've gone to where it was actually relevant to my job. I'm an art historian. I got my PhD in art history uh, in uh, 2021. And so most of the tech conference, most of the tech conferences I've gone to, I have been there as an art historian who does digital humanities and is also married to Christine. And so like I had things that were relevant to me there, but it wasn't like the thing that I was doing primarily. And so I have like 10 layers of imposter syndrome about tech conferences usually. And I always kind of walk in a little bit, uh, a little bit cautious to tech conferences because well, one, I am a woman. Two, I am, uh, I don't have a traditional computer science background. And three, I know I, I've done programming, some programming, but I'm not a programmer. I do kind of things more peripherally in the tech scene, and I have had experiences at conferences in the past where that has been uh, kind of belittled. Also, I am dyscalculic, so I've had people, multiple times I've had people like go on rants about how everyone should know math and how it's a universal language, and that is just not uh, something that works for all people. But I didn't feel like I had any of those experiences at DWebCamp. And I think part of that is because of the kind of casual setting of it. If you're walking into a uh, conference that's held on a university campus or at a hotel that does conferences where you have like the ballrooms that are separated into smaller rooms and there's kind of a more structured feeling, I think that that gives, um, that gives more of a sense of kind of like importance of place that like this is all very professional and we're going to do things like the way they've always done been done which i did not feel at dwebcamp also as uh someone who is disabled the fact that um the schedule was really unstructured there were there were a lot of great talks and events but for me, the main thing I got out of it was the quote unquote hallway track, which is a misnomer because there weren't any hallways. But um, that also meant that I could go off to my cabin and take a nap in the middle of the day because I was still recovering from this kind of like prolonged illness that I had. So all of those things I think um, fit together to make my experience a little bit better. And I know this is a conversation about queer do you have, and I've talked about different kinds of marginality there um and i think that's partially also because for so this is another layer of imposter syndrome um for most of my life i've had passing privilege as not queer 
So I haven't really had the experience at conferences of um, feeling like I was uh, judged or marginalized for that. But at DWeb Camp, I felt like there was more of a community around that, as opposed to just whether or not I felt like I was safe in a specific space. Oh man, thank you so much for sharing. And especially, I, I love that you brought up um, disability because I feel like I feel like that was another aspect of like diversity that I thought DWebCamp did a good job of like being inclusive of was like uh, disabilities and neurodivergence. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that was something that I, I felt uh, as a neurodivergent person was really, really relieving. Um, and yeah, so yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll pass it off to uh, Gabriel now. So Gabriel, do you wanna share your experiences? So, I mean, I definitely resonate a lot with what everyone has said so far, like even as a, you know, a male, like I've always felt pretty uncomfortable in male dominated spaces um, and like tech, you know, of course, being, being one of them, like, I mean, I'm a developer, so I have to be kind of involved with these spaces. Um, but I don't know, going into D-Web camp, I was expecting for it to be similar to other conferences that I'd been to um, and was a bit kind of anxious about that because I thought, you know, I'd have to be like, you know, on the defense and like, I thought I would have to be, you know, dealing a bit with, you know, some anxiety and, um, and I'm also neurodivergent and I just recently got diagnosed with ADHD. So like trying to like deal with that and being in my head all the time. And, and so I was a little bit nervous um, to come, but I was like really surprised. It like, wasn't like that at all. Um, it was like really awesome to be around um, a lot of like open and accepting people. And it was just like an atmosphere of that. Like you could walk up to anybody and sit down at a table with them and just talk to them. And it was like probably like four out of five people that you do that with are like immediately like accepting of you. Like maybe one of them is like kind of weird <laughs> but, like, <laughs> or like, you know, like they don't want to talk or something. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it was just really awesome to be around a space that wasn't so dom dominated by like, you know, masculinity and like that kind of like expectation. Um, and I'm still, you know, in the process of making sense of my own gender expression and queerness. And I can't really think of a place or experience that was like as affirming and encouraging and like seeing of that part of me. Um, so like, it was just really nice to be in a space like that because I'm not used to being in spaces like that, so. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. Um, yeah, I can see my my looks happy. <laughs> <laughs> this is very affirming for my, um, but yeah. And then I know, um, so now I kind of want to like, um, now that we've talked about all the great experiences that we had, I do want us to take, uh, take space to think about like what were, some ways that maybe we still um, felt marginalized or um, ways that like D-WebCamp can still improve because obviously everything's an ongoing process. Um, I know that um, Christine and Dimitri and um, Morgan, I'm not, I can't remember if you were at that conversation also, but you know, we, we had some experiences that were less than, um, less than uh, palatable. And I know Shafali had um, also, you know, brought up some experiences of kind of uh, currency and, 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 under, and, and my had brought up experiences about like classism. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I just want to open up the space for that. I want to do an opening with something positive that ties also into something negative, right? So the, um, so something that was really positive for me that I, I, I feel like I left out was that, um, so my friend, uh, so 
one person I met at D-Web Camp who is unfortunately not on this call, but I think is, you know, it would be great if she was. Uh, uh, um, Michaela and I, like, um, met and, like, became instant, like, best friends, right? Like, the, it was, like, as if, like, we had, like, known each other for years. Everyone assumed we had, right? You know, and, and we kind of walk around the entire conference, you know, kind of acting uh, that way. And that was really great. And Michaela said, um, you know, this this whole conference has been really great because everyone's kind of sticky and sweaty, and like, like a little bit, like, you know, it's like, it's impossible to be a little bit too, like, kind of full of yourself when like, everyone is kind of like, you know, like, e everyone's kind of like, in that kind of state. And, you know, it's true, we like, we were in a, you know, cabin, it didn't, uh, um, it had electricity, but you know, didn't, didn't have other facilities. And, um, and, you know, other people were in, in tents and stuff. Um, but the, there was one part that ended up being negative of that side of things for me, which is that, you know, um, I was very anxious about showering, right? You know, the, uh, I had like a lot of anxiety about that because I'm trans feminine and I didn't, you know, I, there, and they had these shower stalls, but there was no way to be able to bring in my clothes, you know? So I, I wanted to, to be able to shower and then immediately change so that I didn't have any possibility of, you know, seeing myself, you know, exposed and, you know, and, and like having gender, segregated showers in theory, you know, is supposed to be there to, you know, help reduce that kind of tension. But, you know, I have a lot of anxiety about, well, what if I step out of there and then somebody feels threatened by, you know, I haven't had bottom surgery, right? You know, like somebody feels threatened by, you know, my, my, my appearance. So um, I, you know, I showered and then immediately like ducked to like grab the things and like tried, you know, like made all my clothes wet in the process of like trying to deal with that type of situation. And like, it wasn't like the worst thing, but it was like, you know, an example of me, you know, having that kind of anxiety. Uh, I know that um, there was a hint of another thing, but I think that that was actually the the biggest thing that I personally wanted to, to, to kind of share from that is the up and the downside of kind of having everything be that kind of like, you know, sticky, sweaty situation. Can I bounce off of that? Um, so again, I liked the campground, uh, the campground feel of it. It set a good tone for the conference overall. But I brought up disability before, so I feel like I have to bring up disability on the negative side of things, too. Um, so it was not a terribly easy uh, space to navigate if you are disabled. And two, a lot of the spaces that, uh, well, maybe not a lot of them, but many of the spaces that there were events in did not have any um, chairs with backs or even chairs at all. And I had to leave multiple sessions early just because I couldn't handle sitting in that space. And like halfway through the conference, someone said, why don't you just ask if you can call one of the uh, folding chairs around? And I did, and uh, that helped a little bit, but then that also meant that I was hauling a chair around, which again, is not terribly ideal if you are disabled. So I think um, maybe just having chairs presence, even if they're not uh, in use at all times, just having a few chairs available at all of those sessions would be helpful so that people didn't have to specifically ask for accommodation if they needed it would be good. Thank you so much for sharing that. That That is so important. And yeah, because like, you know, uh, that that is something that I feel like is, uh, you know, why it's so important to have these kinds of conversations after um, so that we can all like, you know, be able to realize things that maybe we didn't realize before. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. Did anyone else want to share, um, you know, Shafali, I know you had kind of brought up uh, 
in while we were talking before about some kind of things that you had noticed, um, if you want to share. After Christine said about the shower situation, I think that also kind of resonated with me because uh, I am not comfortable with other people seeing my body. And uh, like the showers were like that, that they didn't have like hooks or something to keep your clothes. And like I was just fumbling around with like trying to keep my clothes uh, dry, uh, but in the shower at the same time. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was one thing. But uh, apart from that, I think so uh, since the conference was in US and like the currency difference is like $1 is like 80 rupees and uh, like that kind of takes a toll on you because you're constantly calculating in your head how much money I'm spending right now. And uh, like in general, like the... So even though I'm pretty comfortable here, like with what I'm earning, that is not the amount that I could spend in US. So like to even come to US, there was this whole two months planning and like saving up that I did. Like even if I come and like if I'm in a spot, like I'm able to kind of pay for that or something. And like (laughs) it was just very weird to like... uh, think about even $10 or something like that because for people $10 is nothing or like even um, in cab space like if you had to uh, book a cab like if you can't get public transport because initially I couldn't figure out like how the public transport in the city work or like I was a little bit skeptical about it or like scared about it. And so those things could have, I think, helped me because like when I was booking a cab, even though the cab was like $25, it just felt like, oh my God, $25. And that just went into my head as like I'm spending 2000 rupees right now for just like one ride to two kilometers thing. Uh, yeah, so like um, maybe that kind of things initially how you are coming into the city and like how you can settle in into the city and uh, small things like that could be helpful like even in uh, like not in camp I say the food was still there but like what if I had to go out or what if I couldn't like take that space at that time so those little things uh, is something that I think would just help people yeah I think that is a really important point to make and I know my I know that you had kind of brought up um, my and essay had kind of discussed like sort of you know situations of classism at the web camp so I don't know if you would want to speak on that uh, you or essay would want to speak on that but I feel like that's also uh, a really important part of this discussion too yeah definitely um I think you know personally having um this feel like accessible to people. Um, I think the economic aspect of it is very central to that. Um, uh, the DWeb Fellows program, you know, it brought at least this year 25 folks from all over. And, you know, we, um, you know, the fellowship paid for everything. We also gave them stipends. Um, and like that was to sort of like make it so that they didn't have to think about that. It was like, you know, they felt like taken care of and they could just like experience the camp and not have to worry about those things. But um, I know that it's still not affordable to come to the Bay for a lot of people. 
And it's like, even if at the camp, like money didn't kind of exist, like once you were there, you know, the food was all available, there were drinks, there was no exchange of money. Um, the venue itself actually like usually has like a cash bar. Um, and we were like, no, actually we don't want that because like, you know, we don't want people to have to think about like that. And like, it, it's also not just like an alcohol centric event. And that was actually like, sort of one aspect of it, we didn't want people to be getting like extremely drunk, right? <laughs> like as a, as a matter of also safety, you know, um, like personally speaking, like a lot of people who that, that I've been around that um, I've had negative experiences around at conferences has been around like alcohol, right? Um, but that's an a side point. Um, so everything from, you know, making the tickets income tiered, um, to um, like personally, like at the virtual events in the, over the past couple of years, um, trying to pay people for speaking or doing writing for DWeb events. Like um, I really, really care about compensating people's labor and like recognizing that because I think um, a lot of times like people who are sort of elevated and included in these conversations are people who can just like volunteer their time freely. And then, you know, for, I guess like, the recognition of their name or whatever, but like a lot of people can't do that, especially like, I think, um, you know, mar people of marginalized identity is like, it's, it's already a struggle to survive in this economy. And so, you know, I think hearing that, I think like, it makes me think like, I wonder if there can be kind of like a general, um, like, uh, what would you call it? Like scholarship fund, you know, for people who aren't part, who aren't a fellow, but like could really use support like before and after the event, wherever the event happens to like be able to like navigate the city where it's happening. Um, and I think California is particularly expensive, right? And so I think um, part of, partially like why also, um, one of the many reasons why we wanna have D-Web camps elsewhere is so that it's like not, um, not so focused on California. Um, uh, overall. Yeah, those are all really great points. Um, and yeah, I love the idea of like, just like a general like pool of scholarship to like, kind of, you know, it's it's one thing, to, it's great to like be able to pay for the flight and um, and and the, the event itself. But yeah, there's just kind of, you know, Shafali's experience of like the, the before and after parts of just being in the Bay Area is, is really important to highlight. Um, and I know, um, so uh, another thing that I, I know I personally wanted to bring up as like a neg negative experience that I had is um, there were a few of us um, who were kind of sitting around at a table having a discussion about kind of like, we had, you know, it was about kind of like lefty politics. And then uh, a person wanted to join our conversation and immediately they, you know, bringing up like the fact that we were like leftist and wanted to talk about lefty politics. They were like, oh, well, I feel like, I, I don't remember the exact wording, but essentially they wanted to discuss or argue with us that they should be allowed to use the N-word. Um, and, and, and then they used the N-word and they said, as long as I'm not using it to be ugly, I should be allowed to say this word. And I think that, you know, they're like really thinking about how we can like, you know, filter out that kind of like mindset from entering the camp, because um, I just feel like that is a very like that to me was I was like shocked that somebody was saying that um, at the DWeb camp. I think it's important to note, uh, even though it's implied that that person was white that said that, um, so it was in no way appropriate. 
and they used, they did use the word out loud there and they were they were the point they were making was uh, oh well it should be possible to use it in reference as if somebody had said something but none of us had referenced anything that was relevant to even bring it up as reference so there was just there was no even within that categorization there was just no reason right you know and 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 there's the and and the they were uh, i mean i think it's you have to be very careful even in such a context of doing such a thing where you're really very very conscious of what's going on if you allow that at all right um and and that wasn't happening right there and and uh, it was really there was a magic circle of a group of people they were kind of informed in entering the circle that you know this group of people had a very intentional set you know kind of like you know this is the setting in which these people are having this context a conversation if you're entering it you know you should know that that's what's happening and they entered it saying that they were going to you know and then and then instead wanted to challenge that you know like and, and instead wanted to actually make a, a specific point of all of the grievances they had against that kind of circle and and that was that was frustrating right you know it was it was not just frustrating they were uncomfortable things to talk about in the best of times but especially when you already preset a, a context in which we're saying you know hey but this is we have already established this is what this group is talking about, right? You know, there was another group that I participated in the, the, the you know, a night before that was talking about, you know, some other types of things that, that were, um, that where, you know, we had set up a completely different magic circle, you know, but like to, to walk in there and do that, things that I think were things that would be uncomfortable to say at the event in general, but especially I feel like trying to make a point, um, it was it was uncomfortable. It, it felt very polemic, like it just felt like um, very like combative of like, oh, you identify as like the left. Well, like here, like exactly like Christina was saying, like this is I we should have Confederate statues still and we should like I should be allowed to say this word. It just it was very um, it just for me felt very like and I, you know, I, I knew that everyone in the symmetric circle wasn't comfortable, but I know it was one of those things where I was like, I, is this how other people are at this conference? Like, is this, is this person an outlier or is this actually like just what outside of the magic circle is like? Um, and so that's something that like, you know, like I just, I, that it just immediately, like, I, I, I felt like I, I had to be so much more careful with who I was talking to people about because I, I, I was much more on guard after that moment. So I was not part of that initial, uh, magic circle or that conversation, but um, Christine had told me about it. And then the next day, me and another woman, actually another few women, nurse table of women um, that were doing crafts. Um, and the same person approached us and started saying some uh, fairly sexist things as well. And I think that, I will say that that, um, that behavior at D-Web Camp was unusual enough that I texted Christine and said, is this the same guy? And Christine texted me back and said, yes. So I don't think that it was necessarily an endemic problem at the conference, but that's the kind of thing that a code of conduct should be able to mitigate, but it's also incumbent on people to then you know, report code of conduct violations, which if you are in some way a marginalized person at a conference and someone who is not a marginalized person is being um, inappropriate, then sometimes it's hard to report that, especially if it is a series of microaggressions that in total are very 
obvious and apparent, but any single one of them is maybe not a code of conduct violation. Yeah, um, I had a sort of a separate incident um, at one of my sessions and um, it was a different person. And um, though I did hear that this person was similarly disruptive and like interrupting of many sessions and just like asking a lot of questions in a way that was like, oh, I'm ignorant, but like, can you tell me? But they kept raising their hand and just like really sort of like making the space feel really uncomfortable. Um, and um, I'm the kind of person that just like, if someone is being disrupted, I just like shut it down. <laughs> um, and so I just was like, hey, what's your name? And then like, they kind of like responded like defensively. And I was like, can you please, you know, like, you know, like we have a conversation here with a certain level of understanding and agreement here. Like, can you please save your questions for the end? And like, it ended up being okay, but like, we still felt really uncomfortable, like with the fact that they were also just like writing a lot of notes while we were talking and it just felt like being surveilled or something. Um, and like, um, you know, as an organizer of this, like, I want to understand how to mitigate that, you know, like how to, like, I think, um, you know, there was only what, like three or four people on the code of conduct team, unless like we tell them what is going on, then like nothing can be done about it. But like, I think instead of also just sort of like, maybe, um, like, obviously I think making it bigger in a sense may be a, a like a way to go about that where we also like, um, uh, do maybe like sort of practice or something like before this event or like just, you know, just generally like how do we do confrontation? Well, um, I think is like something that I really want to get better at. Cause like, I want to defend myself, you know, like not in a way that like um, just like make someone just like angry and just stomp away necessarily, but just be like, Hey, like, that's not okay. You know what you're saying? It's making me uncomfortable. And like, you know, you have to see me for that. And if they can't, like, once you do that and they still are disrupted, like, they just have to be removed from the space. Um, and and so, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm obviously, like, not saying that those people are welcome. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, I think in general, like, in my life, like, I want to be able to, like, be stronger to, like, kind of, like, sort of, like, not just sort of, like, take it, I guess. Um, and, um at the same time that I'm building safe spaces. Cause I think it's both like, because, you know, um, I think in tech conferences, there's always going to be people like that or may hopefully not, <laughs> but like, you know, there's like, there are often people like that. And I think like figuring out how to deal with it I, constructively is like something that I really want to figure out. I, I know for me, like it was one of those things where I just, what I, I didn't know about like the code of conduct team. Um, so I think that that could be very helpful of like, you know, allowing, and, and maybe it might have been, uh, I'm sure it was like written down somewhere, but I feel like, you know, it, um, thinking about like, you know, as far as, you know, there was a lot of pre-sessions, um, like virtual sessions before the actual conference itself. And if we like make it a point of like, um, you know, like if anybody says anything to make you uncomfortable, like reach out to these four people um, and like just really hammer that message home of like, you know, we're about DEI. We want everyone to feel included. And obviously, like if you're using racial slurs, even if you're doing it in this like, well, I'm just hypothetically talking about the idea of using it is like, that's just not OK. Like it's just point blank, no racial slurs at any point at whatever point in the conference at all. I also want to add one experience where there was this uh, 
person who had recently bought land in another country and they were looking for i don't know building a community there and it felt like very like the way that they were talking about the whole uh, situation it felt like it was colonizing that space again and like we didn't have words to like kind of talk to them or like tell them that this is what you're doing and like when you're participating in our sessions it feels like you're just kind of exploiting what our experiences are in that sense and uh, again like it just resonated with what mai said like i would also want to like uh be better in those situation and enable to point out that this is what you're doing and like how do i do that i think um i mean we we've kind of harped on that moment to a certain degree because it was a, such a noticeable and strong presenting moment uh, or a series of things that happened in that that moment and in some ways actually i've looked at it and back at it and thought like you know well what could i have done better like you know if i if i had really you know what i wish i had done would just say hey this is just not acceptable just like we already told you what this conversation was going to be like and this just isn't okay in general like just like we don't want to have that in this conversation instead what i tried to do was to be was to try to like address everything rationally as in terms of being like you know like talking things through and saying like blah blah, blah and also dropping what i thought were really strong hints that apparently were not you know and um uh and i feel like maybe i'm kind of susceptible to being trying to be uh um to to the exactly the type of behavior that I did where you know where I I try to like I try to talk through things and I try to give people hints and stuff like that and maybe in the moment I could have done a better job right you know but I like everybody I think at one point did kind of stand up and actually say kind of indirectly what they what they felt about things but nobody said you know you should leave but what should we have had to right you know like and it's hard I think in a moment to know what to do when a circumstance like that happens right like it's just I kind of just didn't really know how to be able to handle it better than I handled it. Likewise. And I think that this brings up an, an important point. Uh, so like I, Christine, I had exact same uh, experience. I Like I'm, I'm usually fairly comf uh, comfortable confronting people about that, but I was just mesmerized with how cliche and stereotypical the person was being and just like ignoring all the social cues, ignoring like actual words, like, Hey, you know, you're intruding like and just like barreling through and and the reason i mention that is i uh, so there's this concept called active bystander training uh and it's it, it deals exactly with this thing uh, i think culturally or even cross-culturally we're really not um not familiar with not trained uh with how to diffuse situations like that how, how to interrupt um somebody like that gracefully or ungracefully uh and so like maybe offering something like you know active bystander training in conferences though that that sounds awkward but like might be helpful to people because i think a lot of a lot of us would be really interested in um like okay so next time that happens what should we do could you explain a little bit more about what active bystander training is it sounds really interesting yeah so like classic active bystander training usually deals with uh, how to deal with, how to diffuse situations of like sexual harassment and uh, like pre-assault, essentially, 
because overwhelmingly there's, there's been a lot of like social studies done and overwhelmingly there is a tendency for people even who are like horrified that stuff is happening and and could theoretically help are just like kind of frozen uh, and, and don't react uh, a lot of it is the effect of well it's not really up to me somebody else will will take care of it Th that kind of thing and so uh active by standard training first of all points that out even pointing it out and being aware that that's our tendency as as, as humans uh, uh as, as parts of uh, this culture that alone helps but they actually go into details of okay here's what you should do instead it also reminds me of um uh, on airplanes you uh one of the things in airline accidents one of the things that constantly gets um gets reported is a lot of people die or get injured or whatever because of the tendency towards inactivity like when, when something happens or like the when, when the plane crashes you're kind of frozen you don't want to get out of your seat and so one of the very uh very first things that uh, people train uh like airline stewards for is just get people moving right just just break that that initial uh barrier of inaction i just want to say if you have something on the schedule too like active by standard training or something like that then that's a flag that that people can see before the conference too that the conference is taking an active role past just having a code of conduct because sometimes codes of conduct are passive and i've definitely been to conferences that had a good solid code of conduct that was not enforced once i got to the conference um so having something like that to show that you're, you know, taking a step further, whether or not the active bystander training is going to be like one session is going to be enough to actually have much active use at the conference. It just shows that it's something you're considering. You know, what are other things that you'd like to see um, happen? Like I, we've had a couple ideas about like introducing the code of conduct team beforehand. Um, and, um, and and this, I love the idea of having active bystander training at the event, um, but what are things that like, both just sort of like functional things, like things that will just make the conference better and like safer, but then also fun stuff, <laughs> you know, like what, what would be uh, some things that would like queer it up even more? <laughs> So I, I never participated in it because I was, um, it was, you know, pre-transition, but the, um, uh, I always like, there's a conference that we went to where they had a women's dinner. And I know that um, for Morgan and for a number of other people at the the event, like it was, it was like a, it was a, it was a big deal as in terms of like being able to feel welcome. I think that, you know, what was kind of, so I'm going to say what was impressive was that I think that level of organizing managed to happen even without anything explicit. Right. You know, like people people managed to find each other and find each other's group. And, and that should be spoken positively of, um, you know, that that was already happening. Right. Um, but it, it, it could be awesome to actually have some sort of thing like that. Right. You know, like what if you had like a campfire circle for the, you know, for the queers or, you know, if, what if you had a, you know, breakaway for people of color who wanted to, you know, do whatever, you know, like, you know, like have a hike. Right. You know, for for people who are in specific groups. Right. You know, we're already in the woods. Why not have a hike, you know, or or something along those lines. You know, um, you know, and, and find find what the group of people uh, are comfortable and able to do from an ability standpoint, right? Um, but I, I I don't know. I see Morgan's uh, like looking to uh, to speak, so I'm going to mute myself. Mainly because you started by talking about what was my experience, and then like flew past it. Um, so one thing about that uh, that women's dinner, it was at a conference. 
And we went to that conference several years, and there are lots of things that were wrong with the conference and the organization and um, that led to us not going there anymore. But the last year we went, they didn't have the women's and gender nonconforming dinner anymore. And I asked why, and they said that they had limited resources and it was not a high priority. And so like saying that part out loud that, you know, you have your code of conduct, you have, uh, you have your, uh, your code of conduct team, et cetera, et cetera. But then saying out loud, Oh no, we don't think that having something that is intended to make marginalized people feel more comfortable is not a priority. That was, one of the many, many reasons that that was the last time we attended that conference. Wow. Also, um, to go off of one of the other things that Christine said, uh, bringing up WISCON again, because it really is a well-organized conference, they have, um, now this is done at a, uh, at like a hotel that does conferences, so they have the ability to do this, but they have different rooms for different uh, functions that are just available. And one of them is a uh, quiet room for people with disabilities if they need either if they are neurodivergent and they need a quiet space away from the conference or if they are physically disabled and they need a space where they can like sit or lay down in a comfortable space. They have um, and then they have rooms for different marginalized groups. So um, different, you know, minority groups, different like um Special interest is not the right word I'm looking here for here, but um, but so that there is a space to convene that is somewhat private and uh, a flag for this is something that is important to the conference, whether or not those rooms get used co- constantly or consistently, or if it's just the one time that it's needed, it's there. So um, that might be harder to put into effect in a conference that's had at a campground, but uh, it's something that I really appreciated. And I know, I know for me, um, one of the things of like, kind of tying in with all these situations is that I think, and I'm sure everyone has experienced this, like as a marginalized person, there's always the fear that like, if you bring something up, you're going to be viewed as like being too sensitive or like, you know, whatever it is. Like I, you know, I get misgendered all the time. um, And I worry about like, you know, correcting people on their pronouns because like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be causing a problem. Um, And, and then I think that like, uh, I know another person in our our little group chat was talking about like, um, actually I think it was Christine um, had an experience of just like, um, Sorry, Christine. Um, if you if you want to share your experience, go for it. Um, I, I don't mean to to speak for you, um, but um, but yeah. So I think that like you know, there's just these moments where um, you know, and I think even in that moment when that person entered our magic circle and was saying these things, I know you know, growing up in a conservative family, like a very right wing family, I know that my first thought is like, you know, I I I, I empathize with why Christine approached it the way that she did because. Mm-hmm. To me, it's sort of like, well, you know, people describe somebody on the left as like being like irrationally sensitive. And so it's almost like, well, I feel like I have to like be try extra hard to like talk everything out and to be like, no, like I'm not like, you know, I'm not really like I'm 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 a rational human being. I don't know if anyone else has experienced, but I have that experience a lot of like I feel like pressured to 
accommodate people when they're hurting me because I've been told that anytime I stand up for myself, I'm making a scene. So one of the things that can be really positive is a certain amount of, you know, pr encouraging a certain amount of self-organizing. So that actually happened. Um, we've, it's been mentioned afterwards that we have this, you know, kind of back channel chat that we created. This was actually, uh, Jack and I were having a conversation and they, they suggested, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should have a selfie support group, right? You know, we should have a group where we're just, you know, like it's queer people, you know, like um, we're, we all feel anxious about our bodies and actually like, you know, you can share pictures of yourself and you feel great. And that turned into like, a, it, it kind of grew a bit and it, it, it's, it's been really great have, just having that as a thing that was, and also kind of, that was kind of organically organized. Um, so I think this is the thing that you're probably referencing because it was kind of the other big experience that happened to me at the event. Um, but um and actually, I will say that it was very negative, and it, it turned positive, right? The and um, the uh, and and it may be that this is not what you were mentioning, but I'm going to tell the one that happened anyway. The um, on the I think it was the second to last, or maybe the last day of the is the second to last day of the conference. Uh, I was sitting down with somebody that I had met a few times, and they were talking, and then they said, you know, they used he and he him. Now, if if you're just listening to this as a podcast, my probably the thing that's the biggest tell as in terms of me being trans is, you know, like my dude voice here, right? You know, like the, I have a much lower voice and it, it, it I think when people just hear me, it, it does tend to me being misgendered, but I think otherwise else I have a very feminine, you know, kind of look and, and persona. And um, this person had never met me in any other context and then they ended up using he, him. And I was kind of like shocked and, you know, said, well, it's, you know, she, her, and then they got very defensive and started, you know, apologizing. But then they started apologizing in a way they said, like, you know, I think, you know, like, I think in society, like, we don't know how to be able to handle these things in society. We don't know how to handle, uh, you know, these types of things. So we need to have conversations about them. Like, you know, but you've never met me in any other context. Like, you know, like what like I'm, you know, why? And, and they they said that they did want to have a conversation. on. I'm like, OK, we can have a conversation. I don't want to have it right here. So me. Morgan, Michaela, and this person had a conversation separately, and um, and I will say that actually they it was a long and difficult conversation, but I think it was positive. So they they're not from uh, the U.S. They came from you know I, I don't want to identify them, but they came from another country where you know they they I was apparently the first trans person that they really come to know, right? And um, I think they were spending too much time thinking about my life and history in some ways where they loaded that context in. But I was explaining like, look, it's painful that you would even perceive me in this way as masculine when you, it's painful enough when people who have known me misgender me. But if they, people have known me before I transition, I understand that the human brain is kind of squishy and you're loading old context stuff and stuff like that. But you've never known me in that kind of context. So this is really hurtful. Like how could you have lo loaded that context and you're seeing me this way, right? Um, and, um, you know, they, they, they were kind of being defensive. And I said, like, look, you, if you want me to talk, um, just let me speak, you know, and like, and, and what was also really impressive was that um, Michaela was also there and was actually um, explaining, you know, at certain points, I couldn't, you know, I was kind of too emotionally overwhelmed. And I mentioned the person wasn't from the US and Michaela knew the language that this person, um, you know, spoke natively and would actually take times to actually explain some of the things that I was explaining in their uh, native language and it kind of helped gave me a break and cross that thing and they listened they really thought carefully they did the you know they it was it was work i shouldn't have to do but they you know asked if they could have this opportunity we you know the and morgan was also there and morgan you know afterwards we talked and morgan said well i felt like i should give you know the you the space to be able to to um to 
to uh, to have this conversation in this way. And um, uh, Michaela very openly on her profile and everything outs herself as you know trans feminine. So I think that I'm not um, outing her by by saying this. But you know, so she her speaking from her experiences also I think was really helpful. And it was really meaningful for me. And then afterwards, you know, I'm like, okay, good conversations over. You're fully forgiven. Um, now I just want to go on a walk with, you know, uh, with Morgan and, and my friend. And we dropped off Morgan because Morgan was having, you know, uh, we were sitting without a chair for a long period. Uh, and uh, and then Michaela and I went on a walk. And that was just really helpful, you know, to be able to have some time afterwards speaking to somebody who knew what you were going through also. Um, so I don't know if that's the converse, the situation that I mentioned in the chat, because I don't remember if I mentioned that at all or in the chat, but that's the actual, uh, that, that was the other big experience. And I think in some ways it felt like a contrast to me from, you know, an, another experience that we spent a bunch of time talking about and that there was a person who they did a thing, they wanted to figure out how they could correct it. Right. You know, and, um, and, you know, I think in both circumstances, you know, I spent effort trying to explain you know, and try to explain what, you know, why I put the problem and, you know, how to be able to do it. But I think the difference is somebody who's really being earnestly interested in listening and, you know, trying to figure out how to be able to, 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 to be responsive to that. Oh, okay. You know what? Yeah, it's uh, it's getting late. So we can wrap this up. Sorry. <laughs> um, we've been talking for a, a minute. Um, did anybody have any like closing thoughts? Um, I have so much to say, <laughs> but I, I mean, I'm just really grateful for everybody sharing what their experiences were. You know, personally as an organizer, like I want, I wanted this event like sort of selfishly to feel safe and good for me. <laughs> and I think like, I think that's kind of like what like met you know for us organizers that's what we felt like we were like okay we like how who do we want to see here what kind of space do we want to create you know in some ways we didn't we weren't explicit about making it inclusive i think like certain things like the fellows program you know certain things did but i think like it was just kind of like um our selves sort of like organizing it and sort of and i think it was dimitri's point of like us reaching out to people that we knew and like connecting them and and then also to Shafali's earlier point about you know having this build and um having a core group of people like the fellows and the volunteers also like we're all like uh, a lot of us are POC and queer and I think like having that be the sort of grounding community of the space and then you know everyone else came in after like I think like because of that I think there's a core group of people that just felt really comfortable in the space already and then like um that sort of like creating um, a, you know, a space of belonging for everybody who I think typically don't feel belonging in these spaces. So this is like fundamental to me as like an organizer and just like to, to also, I mean, no, who cares about the technology in some ways, like this, it's about the community and like the technology like comes out of that, but like, how do we have some of these, I think conversations and um, like skills like made more explicit? Like I would love to just, think about how to do that in between the events I think because it's not just about the event itself it's like how do we build and make better protocol like not, I hate the word protocol like make better behavior and sort of community you know um, in the meantime I would just say that this was like good <laughs> to talk about all of these things with you guys because uh, collective processing is a thing that I'm like <laughs> kind of exploring and I think this is one of those sessions so thanks Johnny for doing this yes awesome all right so I will say that that's a wrap 
Um, and yeah, thank you all for coming. Yes, hearts. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone.